My name is Jane Borowski, host of Invisible Tears. This podcast will be about my story and my words, talking about my own personal experiences and self-healing. I do not claim to be a therapist, counselor, or a licensed psychologist. Hello, my name is Amanda Bedard, and I'm the co-host, producer, and editor of Invisible Tears. I'm a Reiki master, certified professional life coach, spiritual coach, wellness coach, and a counseling practitioner. Some of the content you will hear in this podcast may be disturbing to some. Viewer discretion is advised, but it is our hope by putting this information out there that we may help others to heal. We will always be a platform for truth and healing. Brought to you by Glassbox Media, this is Invisible Tears. Welcome to Invisible Tears. Amanda here, co-host of Invisible Tears. And today I am here with our host, Jane, and our other co-host, Drew. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Doing good. Looking forward to doing this case. Yes. Very much so. Yeah. I definitely think that we all are. This is the most requested case for us to cover. So it's taken us a little while to get here. But today we are going to cover the cold cases of Tina and Bethany Sinclair. Now, it's so prevalent in our area. Besides Jane's case, which happened, you know, in 88, this case of Tina and Bethany that happened in 2001, I think really gripped the entire community. Whether you lived in Westchesterfield, whether you lived in Keene, whether you lived in Hinsdale, it's an unsolved case that people still talk about and still want to know about. So we're going to do it some justice. We certainly are. In Hinsdale, New Hampshire, population 3,998. It's a small, quiet town. I have lived here for 37 years. Both my kids graduated from Hinsdale High School. Next town over is Westchesterfield, New Hampshire. Population 3,600 people. 182 Mountain Road in Westchesterfield is right on the Connecticut River. You can see Brattleboro, Vermont, just across the river. Westchesterfield, New Hampshire, is also a very small, quiet town. From my house to 182 Mountain Road is exactly 13 miles. It's a beautiful drive right up Route 63 North along the windy road. You see some houses lots of trees. You even pass the Pisgah State Park where they do a lot of hiking. Uh, They go out hiking to the beautiful reservoir to swim in. Route 63 turns right into Main Street of Westchesterfield. There's a volunteer fire department, a very small police department, town offices, one school, an elementary school, and a tiny old building that houses the post office. 182 Mountain Road is where Tina Sinclair 
35, and her daughter, Bethany, 15, went missing on February 3rd, 2001. I can remember watching the news and seeing their pictures on the TV. I read about their disappearance in the newspaper. I can remember seeing missing flyers hung everywhere. Tina and Bethany had just moved to Brattleboro from Florida and was living with Tina's sister, Sharon Gary. About a month later, Tina met Eugene W. Bowman Jr. Tina and Bethany moved in with Eugene at 182 Mountain Road, West Chesterfield, New Hampshire. Eugene treated Tina good, according to her sister, Sharon, then became controlling. Then their relationship went real bad when Tina discovered Eugene was being prosecuted for sexual assaults against minors. This was not his first time being charged with a sexual assault against a minor. In the 90s, he was charged with molesting his own eight-year-old daughter. Tina's sister, Sharon, was very concerned about Tina and Bethany and wanted them to move to Connecticut with her, but Tina declined. Tina told Sharon, quote-unquote, she had a plan. Was that plan to leave Eugene? Maybe. In May of 2001, four months after Tina and Bethany went missing, Eugene W. Bowman Jr. was convicted of three counts of felonious sexual assault. He only served two years in jail. Crazy. Just crazy. That's absolutely disgusting. I just have to add that he only served two years in jail. Tina was born November 29, 1966. She grew up in Brattleboro, Vermont, with two sisters and one brother. She had a really great heart and loved her family. Tina was described as a fun, carefree person and just wanted to work hard to give Bethany the best life that she could. Tina did hospice care, was a home nurse, and was a great mother. She had also finished cosmetology school and was working to become a hairdresser. Tina is five foot two inches tall, approximately 120 pounds, has strawberry blonde hair, and green eyes. Her former married name is Mayotte, M-A-Y-O-T-T-E, and her friends called her by her nickname T. She has a tattoo of a butterfly on her right ankle and a vertical surgical scar on her abdomen. Childhood injuries include a broken right arm and a broken collarbone. Her ears are double pierced, and she also kept her nails long, painted, and well manicured. There's been no activity on Tina's credit cards, bank account, or cell phone since she and Bethany went missing. She also never picked up her last paycheck from work. There's also not been any activity on either Tina or Bethany's social security numbers since their disappearance. Tina was last seen at work on Friday, February 2nd, 2001. Bethany was born October 15, 1985. She was 15 at the time of her disappearance, and if alive, she would be 37 today. Bethany has brown hair and brown eyes, 
is between 5 foot 2 and 5 foot 7 inches tall. Her approximate weight is between 120 to 135 pounds. Bethany was possibly wearing a crucifix pendant at the time of her disappearance. She has a U-shaped scar on her forehead and was known to wear glasses. Her nickname is Beth, and she may use the last name Duso, D-E-U-S-O. Her hips and legs are out of alignment and her knees turn inward. Bethany is described as a quiet, shy teenager who loved to read and got good grades. She had an active social life and didn't have problems making friends, though. Bethany was close with her cousin, recounts her aunt, and loved to collect Grateful Dead bears, as she was a bit of a hippie. She loved music, and her favorite song was Just a Girl by No Doubt. I loved that song, too. Bethany was last seen coming home from a date on Saturday, February 3rd, 2001, around 11.30 p.m. She had just arrived home from a date with her boyfriend. They talked on the phone till about midnight, and then Bethany was never heard from again. According to Eugene Bowman Jr., and I'll also add Eugene Van Bowman Jr., that is his middle name, and sometimes he goes by his middle name, him and Tina had a fight February 4th, and he left the house. When he returned later that day, Tina and Bethany were gone. He noticed Tina's car was sitting in the driveway with a flat tire, so he thought maybe they had called for a ride. On February 5th, 2001, an unknown woman called Bethany's school, which was Keene High School, to say she would not be attending class that day. On February 10th, Tina and Bethany were reported missing when the school's officials called the police because of Bethany's continued absence from school. When the police asked Bowman why he didn't report them missing, he replied he thought they would return home in a few days. Most of Tina's belongings were left behind, including her 15-year-old cat. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. And now back to our episode. According to reports, Bowman was seen on the Connecticut River in his SCAT hovercraft around 4.30 a.m. on February 4th. Authorities had done several searches of Bowman's home as well as the Connecticut River. The results of these searches have remained sealed. Now, when we started to, uh, in the process of recording this podcast, we actually got reached out to some people that knew the Sinclairs or were neighbors. Um, so we are definitely following up on some of the tips that we have received. And one tip in particular that we're hoping to actually be able to confirm is the fact that Bowman was seen on the Connecticut River early mornings of February 4th. So we are looking uh, to confirm that and we'll definitely be doing a follow-up episode uh, with some of these findings. In 2014, dive teams equipped with side scan and sector sonar searched downriver in Hinsdale by the Vernon Dam, hoping to find any clues to the whereabouts. It is unknown if the search turned up any leads. Um, however, over the years, authorities have conducted several searches in the surrounding area, including Pisgah State Park and the Connecticut River, using helicopters, search teams, and cadaver dogs. And even though there have been divers, there have been no solid evidence ever been found. Bowman's house has since been sold. So the question is, where is Tina and Bethany? Law enforcement have named Eugene Bowman as a person of interest for years. 
He's never been formally named as a suspect. He's never been charged either with their disappearance. He has since refused to work with authorities since their disappearance. He's had a few run-ins with the police in 2004. He was issued a no trespass order in Hinsdale. And in December 2006, he was sent back to prison for a parole violation. He was then released on January 10th of 2007. In 2011, he was placed in protective custody for public intoxication. Tina's family and many in town believe Eugene Bowman Jr. is responsible for Tina and Bethany's disappearance. For 22 years, the pictures of Tina and Bethany have been sketched in my mind. It angers me. They have never received justice. I feel the authorities are responsible for this lack of justice. Sadly, Tina and Bethany's biggest advocates have passed away. Tina's sister, Sharon Gary, passed away on September 2nd, 2016. And Tina's mom, Mary Lewis, passed away May 11th, 2021. They never gave up hope to finding answers or justice. Sadly, they will never see neither. West Chesterfield has always been a small, quiet town with beautiful mountain views. And if you drive down Mountain Road along the Connecticut River, you can hear the birds chirping and watch the beautiful river flow south. I know Tina and Bethany's spirits linger here, not wanting to be forgotten. Don't worry, beautiful angels. You will never be forgotten. So as we were uh, doing this episode, we definitely got reached out to by some other local people. And we did find out some more information, a lot of which we're still in the process of validating. However, we were able to get a little bit more information on Van's 2004 arrest. So we do have a question out to the public. In particular, anybody that lived in Thicke Hill in Hinsdale between 1988 and 1998, and you may have been stalked, please feel free to reach out to us and let us know any information that you might have to further go with validating some of the information that we found, and it might tie up some loose ends. So if any of you had anything that happened like that, please feel free to reach out to us, and we can also put you into contact with authorities if necessary. Or witnessed anything like that too, right? So with it being such a small community, anybody who witnessed any sort of odd activity like that, essentially what we're trying to do is not just validate, but we're trying to really establish almost pattern and based off of future episode updates, once we continue digging in and validate information, that'll be a little bit more clear to everyone. But please, if you have any sort of information on this case, reach out to us, any and everyone reach out to us. And you can do that at invisible.tears1966 at gmail.com. You can also go to our website and use the contact form. You can also post something to us on any of our social medias. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and we're on TikTok. If you choose, we will definitely keep it anonymous. We don't need to use your name or, or anything like that. We will definitely, if you choose, keep all your information and all that anonymous and um yeah any information on the Sinclairs I feel like there's a lot more out there that we don't know about that we haven't read and um 
we're definitely going to be doing a, a follow-up episode on Tina Sinclair and, and Bethany. Where are they? It's been way too long with no answers. Now we know this was a short overview episode, but you have to understand, literally when we were compiling this episode, information was coming in. As we described in the episode, we're digging in further. We're trying to verify some of this information and we're doing a ton of research. Again, if you have any information, reach out to us. This is the first of many episodes we're going to do on this case. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Invisible Tears. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to hear all future episodes. Click into our link tree too in the episode description to find and follow us on all our social medias. And it also links to our website, invisible-tears.com, where you can keep current on any events that may be coming up, read more about Jane and the team, and read more about all the Connecticut River Valley unsolved cases. If you want to learn more about my wellness practice, Guided Path Wellness, head to guidedpathwellness.org. There you can read more about me and my certifications, more about the Reiki and coaching services I offer both in person and remote, and read all about my products for sale that I make through the practice. Feel free to utilize the contact us section on the website with any questions or utilize that free 15 minute consultation booking button if you have any questions about what might work for you. Evil may exist in this world, but we will not let it win. See you next episode.